0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanatics. My name's Andy, I'm presently located in Oakland, California and with me I have Ben in LA. Hi Ben. Hello. And I have Gary in London. Hi Gary. Hello, but well, from York actually. You're in York right now? Interesting. Yes. It's an interesting choice of location. There's, uh, what, where are York City right now in the league? They must be what, second division, something like that? So not a bit of a football, footballing backwater.
1: Yeah, that wasn't why I chose it, but um, I'm, I'm quickly Googling that they are in the National League 6th um, tier. So, so yes, not, not doing too well.
0: All right, that's uh, probably one of the furthest locations you can be from a successful football team, so well done. Um, after a, a similarly catastrophic week for most FPL teams that are, are going for the template, let's jump in first of all with our actual football highlights of the week or football moments of the week. Gary, why don't you go first?
1: OK, so I apologise that this football highlight isn't, isn't really relevant to this week, but um, I've, I have finally got round to watching the, the Sunderland documentary. Um, and I just kind of enjoyed firstly seeing the reactions of all the fans, but also the way that the, the kind of the narrative, as it were, they were trying to set it up for this big moment where Chris Coleman comes in and turns everything around and everyone was saying oh he's got such an aura he's lifting the club he's he's kind of doing this and and then it cuts to the results on the pitch and, and Sunderland were still getting hammered three four five nil most weeks <laughs> um, so it was quite uh it's, it, I think it's quite an achievement because they did a documentary 20 years before and they got relegated that season as well so they've, they've managed to um really pick the well the but you get the, the human element a lot more with the, with the documentary of the team doing really badly. So seems, I'd, yeah, I'd highly recommend it to anyone who, uh, who's got It's on Netflix and probably a few other things.
0: Seems to be a trend right now, these um, documentaries. Uh, obviously, Brendan Rodgers, the pioneer on that front.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd find it a bit sickening to watch like the, like the Man City one. I, I'm not sure I'd want to watch that one either but um the the other thing i really enjoyed from this was just like the the brooding kind of background presence of jack rodwell just kind of sitting there in the injury room and there's this moment where they're trying to persuade him to like resign his contract and the the chairman just goes ballistic and starts swearing and storms off and the caption comes on it's like jack rodwell decided not to terminate his contract Um, (laughs) which is quite quite special
0: Excellent. All right. Well, that's a a recommendation I may heed. Uh, Ben, what's your football moment of the week? Uh, Mine
2: is just finished watching Spurs versus Chelsea, which was just a very bizarre game, I thought. Um, uh, You know, the penalty, Gazaniga going with his feet when I just didn't understand why he didn't use his hands. So that was... Yeah, that was That was was so straight. That was actually going to be
0: my football moment of the week, that one. I'll pick something else now. But just to chime in on, like, goalkeepers this weekend. um, Yeah, shockers. Yeah, really bad. But that one from Gazaniga was the, like why when the ball is coming roughly head height in loads of space would, and if you miss it it's going to go out for a goal kick because the strike is nowhere near it would you execute an acrobatic like bicycle kick yeah it was,
1: <laughs>
2: it, was it was so bizarre because like he, he couldn't even get confused that it was a back pass because it was literally punted the other end by a, a Chelsea player so I don't know what was going through his brain when he did that. <laughs> um, and what's more infuriating is that I have Gazanig as my FPL goalkeeper, and I was like, I just felt like getting rid of him immediately after doing that. Was <laughs> so. Um, and then you also had the Son red card, like kicking out. Um, that was that was really strange. Um, and then you had Spurs fans with the racist abuse and throwing stuff onto the the pitch which wasn't good. And then interspersed with that, you had Willian who was completely world class today. It was just like completely unplayable. So yeah, it was just a really bizarre match to watch. Um and I assume if you were a Spurs fan and not not too happy with what your team produced today.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely a watchable match, wasn't it? Um a uh, real shame about the sort of recent trend it seems to be of uh, projectiles being thrown onto the pitch and racist abuse seen to sort of from the same section of the crowd. It's interrupted a few uh, high profile games recently, hasn't it? Which is disgusting.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's becoming more prevalent um, or just the coverage is better. I'm not sure because at least when um, when I was. Growing up in England um, and we are watching on TV, you didn't really see too much of it. I don't know if it's gone worse recently, but it's kind of hard to tell because um, me and you, Andy, we don't live in England anymore. But yeah, it seems to be popping up quite a bit now.
0: Yeah, I wonder whether they've made maybe like a conscious decision <clears throat> to um, actually put it on TV to like draw attention to the clubs that have that problem and make them stamp it out. It could be that. But the projectiles thing, that certainly seems to be new because the players can't play while they're having stuff chucked at them. And in other countries, like in France, sorry, in Italy and Spain, they they have like nets, don't they, that prevent you from throwing anything on the pitch. We've never had that in the Premier League. Um, It would be a real shame if we had to resort to um, measures like that. Yep. Anyway, let's move on to brighter things. Oh, sorry, Gary. do you know what? Um, we can't really hear Gary right now, so I think I'm going to ask Gary to uh, maybe maybe reconnect in a moment. Yes. Um, meanwhile, I think I'll uh, I'll give you my my football highlight of the week, which is a, a warmer moment. Um, Miguel Almiron finally <laughs> broke his Premier League duck, and I don't know how many people on the how many listeners are uh, sort of. Watches of Newcastle, Miguel Almirón, but he is an extremely hardworking, like model professional, really likable. Um, Seems to have really taken taken to heart the sort of spirit of Newcastle, the city, and the club. Um, Came came to to Newcastle in the middle of last season and and immediately became a sort of uh, uh, a fan's favourite, but had, had yet to register a goal or an assist until a couple of weeks ago, and he's finally broken his duck. So well done, Miguel Almirón, and I, I, I hope that this is the start of a, a very good Premier League career for you.
2: Yeah, it was it was annoying you had to do it against my Palace defender in the last ten
0: minutes, though. But <laughs> I am happy for him. Well, this is this is real life highlights and <laughs> moments, not FPL moments. So have, I'm uh, compartmentalizing
1: here. <laughs> I mean, the only the only thing about the Almirón was immediately this is my pet peeve is players taking their shirts off when they score and it's even worse when they're wearing that under armour where it's just like you're taking your shirt off you're getting a booking so I'm losing a point for this if if, if anyone's got armour on they'd have to be a bit crazy to have him and it's not <laughs> even like a vanity thing where they're showing off like like Firmino was just like oh, look how stacked I am just like oh look at my club Newcastle under armour underneath yeah Great. Uh, I, I remember cause I had Jimenez last year. And he did exactly the same thing with the Under Armour, and it was just like, why? What strange compulsion do you have to just rip your shirt off? And yeah, you never see someone like taking their shoe off, do you? Or, well, unless it gets her but that, that was a while back.
0: Well, I kind of I get it in the sort of Ryan Giggs sense, where he's like waving the shirt around his head like a sort of maraca. Like, that's kind of fun, right? If you're going to do something with the shirt after you've taken it off, then I get it. But um, generally, yes. I didn't see... I think Amaron just sort of threw it to the floor, didn't he, and carried on. So, um, yeah, I get get the pet peeve on that, but still, I'm still happy with the guide. Um, Let's move on to actual... the the point of the podcast and FPL. Uh, Gary, what's your FPL moment of the week?
1: Um, so quite slim pickings, but uh, my one shining light at the moment is, is Danny Ings, the, the legend. Um, and he scored again. Well, he scored twice, actually. So that's seven goals in seven games for him now and got a, a massive 13-point haul. Um, so he got nearly a third of my team's points this week. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a really good player and he's, he's had so many injury problems, but he seems to be getting a good run of 90 minutes um, or 85 minutes. He never seems to quite last the 90, or more more often than not, he comes off. But um, a very solid 86 minutes from him today. So I was very pleased with that.
0: Yeah, he's really on a run, isn't he? Danny Ings. Um, I remember his first season in the league was Burnley, right? And he uh, was the star of a a, a surprise package Burnley side. um, And then just sort of didn't really do anything after he left Burnley uh, until now, where he's finally putting a run of games together. So it's good to see... Uh, it's another sort of heartwarming story, somebody returning from injury and playing well like that, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. And I think he's he's kinda of one of those strikers that's always kinda of hassled. He's a bit he's a bit like a kind of a sort of a pint shop um sort of cup price Jamie Vardy, isn't he? He's one of those strikers that just kinda of harries the attackers and he's waiting on a half chance or something. So it's funny that these Vardy and Ings are the two um top scorers in the league so far, aren't they? And they're very similar style, I think.
0: Yeah, that'd be an interesting England front line, wouldn't it, Vardy and Um Ben,
1: what's your, uh, your
0: FPL moment of the week?
2: I I don't think I have too many. I, I did pretty woeful this week with uh, 28 points. I guess my only FPL moment is I scored more than uh, Magnus Carlson, who <laughs> is was was number one in the world at some point, but he scored a measly 26 points with Youngman uh, Min Son as captain, so I think that's my FPL moment
0: of the week is there are still good managers out there who did worse. Yeah, um, I think Hyung min Son, I I captain Hyung min Son as well. And it's kind of a a sad moment of the week, I think. It's quite a a big moment for um, FPL all around there, I think. A lot of players have Hyung min Son in their team um, as like a main asset. And now he's going to be missing for probably three games, isn't it, for a straight red? So there's going to be a lot of uh, reshuffles going on, I think. I've already reshuffled my team off the back of that, and I'm sure many other players are are thinking the same way because he's obviously going to lose value now. So um, I think that's going to be a bit of a shockwave through the FPL community there.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of infuriating that the three games he misses are Brighton, Norwich, and Southampton. It's like (laughs) everyone has got son for this run of fixtures, and then he has to go and get himself sent off.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, So I wonder... um, Ben, you've got him, right? And uh, Gary, do you as well?
1: No, no, I've, I've I've got Harry Kane, but not I've not got a Tottenham midfielder.
0: And Ben, you have Son, correct? Yep. So what are you going to do?
2: I think there are, I don't know, it's a lot of options, I think. Um, I think there's one route where you try and get value somewhere else and upgrade Son to a, a Salamane, Sterling-type player. Um, I don't I don't have the funds for that. Um and I think there's a world where you you try and downgrade him to uh um a cheaper player. I, I think the straight drop is Kevin De Bruyne, but I think most most of us in the mini leagues kept on to Kevin De Bruyne. Um so you could downgrade him to an Ali, a Martial, or maybe maybe even a pogba, since uh, Paul came back um in the last ten minutes of that game and looked immediately Manu's best player. <laughs> um and then I think think Richarlison might be an interesting one um but I I would have to see how Ancelotti um settles down at Everton because Everton have a really good run of fixtures and then I think the other I think Madison is also probably a a safe pick as well I think what I'm going to do is probably going to go cheap, downgrade someone to someone cheap and then I might try and upgrade one of my strikers to uh Um, I'm thinking Rashford right now, which seems a little bit (laughs) um, misadvised given Manu's current reform, but uh, Manu do have some good fixtures coming up. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out uh, the best move, but it definitely is a head-scratcher. There is like no obvious move unless... I think the most obvious move is if you don't have De Bruyne, I would definitely get De Bruyne for Son.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably sound advice. Well, I, I obviously already have De Bruyne, so... My move was, um, I, I I see a tough run of fixtures for Liverpool coming up. So I downgraded Trent to Aurier and used the money to upgrade Son to Salah. Mm. Um, I was sort of wondering, I had two transfers, two free transfers for this week. So I was sort of wondering how to use that, uh, considering maybe losing Rashford. I, I had in my mind a, a triple swap, actually, of losing Rashford for somebody super cheap either um, like a Greenwood or a, uh, what's his name from Brighton, uh, Connolly, and then using that money to upgrade Mason Mount to Salah, which would have been a huge improvement in the, in the midfield. Uh, but now that Son's gone, I decided to lose Son to Salah instead.
2: Yeah, and Salah definitely looks looks in form.
0: Yeah, exactly, um, and he was rested in the sort of build-up to this run of fixtures where Mane wasn't as well. So I feel that he's going to be sort of the, the, the forward player that's relied upon in the, in the upcoming run of fixtures. They are tough fixtures over the winter period and Liverpool may drop a few... Well, actually, Mane are the only team to have taken points off in the season, aren't they? But I think that, like if, if that's going to change all season, it's probably going to be now. But that doesn't mean Salah won't score. So, good. Well, look, uh, that's that's quite a, a long chat about Heung-Min Son. Uh, maybe it's time to move on to the next section of the pod, which is the um, preview of the fixtures for next week. So, the first one... Oh, look, look at that. It's Tottenham again. <laughs> so, Gary, <laughs> you have the first fixture with uh, Spurs against Brighton.
1: Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see how Spurs kind of bounce back because they're, they're obviously played very badly today. I mean, I, I've got a friend who's a Spurs fan who was at the game and he was like saying it's one of the worst performances he can remember. He said Chelsea just had to turn up to win the game. Um, and obviously Son being suspended. Um, you've also got Lamella injured at the moment. So, yeah, I guess if you're looking at replacements, it means that I guess uh, Ali and Lucas Moura, maybe even Eriksen, uh, if he's still going to be there for a little bit longer, might might come into the picture as well. Um, out of those, I think Lucas Moura is quite temptingly priced at seven point one, uh, and he seems to kind of have a good sort of points per minute output normally. It's just that he you can't always rely on him to to play, so you'd think that he might Lucas Mora might be the main beneficiary from this. Um, yeah, as far as the Tottenham defence goes, we haven't seen a, a tightening up under Mourinho yet. Uh, and as you you mentioned, alluded to with Gazaniga, um, Ben kind of with his crazy goalkeeping, it's it's still a bit reckless at the back. Like they've been uh, they've been conceding two or three goals every game, even if they've been winning some of them. Um, so yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a head scratcher on the Tottenham side. Um, as far as Brighton go, I, I think Brighton are quite an interesting one because they've um, they've kind of done a little bit better than people expected. In certain games, and this might be another one of those games where they, they kind of grit something out. If I, if I had to guess, I'd I'd probably guess this would be like a narrow Spurs victory, but I don't think it's going to be like the thrashing that we were we were thinking of. If if people do think that Brighton are going to hold out and do like a heroic rearguard, then um, Matt Ryan has been pretty dependable for them this season. And uh, Lewis Dunk. Uh, I think you've got him, Andy, at four point seven. So they're, they're the kind of the usual suspects for Brighton.
0: Um, one that you might want to look at, in my opinion, is uh, I mentioned him earlier. As uh, I was thinking about transferring him before the Son um, red card, is uh, Aaron Connolly, who um, seems to be a bright spark for Brighton up front this season, um, and maybe against a, a sluggish Spurs defense that tends to commit a lot of their. Uh, men forward, perhaps he might nip nip him with a goal
1: yeah i've i 've got him as my cheap striker at the moment now he, he had a little bit of a niggly injury, but then he he came off the bench against Sheffield United in the second half, so it looks like he's fit and uh playing again, so yeah, it's quite a big pitch there isn't it so they might they might look to bring him in as someone um to kind of exploit the space a little bit um but yeah, it's a bit of a risk if you put him in because I guess Neil Maupai is the, the first-choice striker and he, he doesn't always play Connolly.
0: All right, good. Um, I think that's probably uh, enough about that fixture. I'm up next with um, Aston Villa against Norwich. Now, my my view on this is that Aston Villa seem to have collapsed recently. They're on really, really bad form. Um, they've got some good players, but they ha- seem to have a, a sort of a porousness about the centre of their midfield and defence. And with Tyrone Mings having been out recently, um, they've really sort of gone to pieces. So I suspect that um, this could be a, a Norwich victory, which they desperately need, because um, they're about to go into a very tough run of fixtures. If you look in the next, what, 10 games, they've got Tottenham, Man United, uh, Tottenham again, Liverpool and Leicester. And you know every other game is a really tough one. So it's not a great run. Um, that, that Norwich are about to go into. So I think they're going to really, really be up for this one and want to get a result. What does that mean? It means that um, obviously it's a bad time to sort of be transferring in Norwich players, but I know a lot of people still have Cantwell and or Pookie in their, in their team. This might be a, a week to play those assets and, uh, and and see the results before you transfer them out and hold on for the following week where I'd, I'd probably get rid um so I reckon probably this is going to be a, a 1-0, 2 nil maybe 2-1 Norwich result. And uh, Countwell, and Buendia are probably the, the players I'd expect to see um, getting the goals and assists.
2: Yeah, the, the only thing I would add is I think John McGinn got, got a really bad ankle injury um, last game and will be out for quite a while. So I, I think definitely agree with Andy. Like It makes the midfield even weaker, I think, without him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a shame for Aston Villa because they have a lot of good players, and I think Dean Smith's a pretty decent manager. It's just they were they didn't really have a Premier League team when they got promoted, and they've desperately tried to sort of patch one together urgently at the last minute. And it's it's always tough to do that, isn't it? Yep. All right, Ben, you're up next. Uh, Bournemouth against Arsenal.
2: Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. So um, Bournemouth, Bournemouth lost to Burnley at home. Um I, I saw some stat where the XG of both the teams was like basically zero <laughs> for that game, but somehow Burnley scored. Um, I, I don't believe too many people have any Bournemouth assets um, right now, apart from maybe uh, Rico, who I think picked up his fifth yellow. So he's suspended for this game. Um, and then on the Arsenal side, I think it's really interesting because it's uh, Miko Arteta's first game, I believe, as the new manager. And he comes pretty highly rated from uh, Man City. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of people think he's a really good manager. So I think this is just like an interesting wait and see in terms of will will there be a new manager bounce? Who is Arteta's first 11? Um, And, I I mean, I would expect Arsenal to win this one. Um, They won this fixture last year 2-1. And my guess is Aubameyang will do something um but yeah i think arsenal will have this fixture then they play. then they play chelsea and man united um so maybe wait for those fixtures to see basically uh, is there any value in arsenal assets with any manager but yeah
0: i think i I think i would
2: expect them to beat Bournemouth.
0: yeah i I don't think i disagree with that bournemouth don't know they're they're on great form do they um it's a shame because Bournemouth were a, a really good source of points with um, Brooks and Fraser and Wilson last season, but it's really not happened for them this season, has it? Yeah, and so
2: many injuries too. Uh, I'm just looking at their red flags, like Rico, Ake, Cook, Smith, all out, in de- Daniels in defence, all out.
0: Yeah. Ake's a big miss uh, for them, isn't he? He's like the, yeah. the the sort of beating heart of their defence. So, um I think uh, having Bournemouth defenders when he's injured Regardless, like forget him. The rest of the Bournemouth defenders suffer when he's out.
2: Yeah, he's the he's the Tyrone Mings of Bournemouth.
0: <laughs> High <laughs> phrase indeed. They have similar <laughs> hair as well,
1: actually, just, don't they? Yeah, I would just say just in the evidence of balance, because Duncan isn't on the pod this week. Um, I wouldn't hedge too much on Arsenal away from home. I'm sure I'm sure Duncan would be screaming this now if he, if he was here. Yeah.
2: yeah, new manager though. So, yeah, I think it makes a difference. And they just kept a clean sheet. New
1: manager, same old Arsenal. They
0: just kept <laughs> a clean sheet. That's new, right?
2: Well, the last game, Freddie just rolled out the youth players bizarrely, but um, I assume I assume Marteta will, will play some of their their main players.
0: Yep, possibly, possibly. All right, um, Gary, you're up again with uh, Chelsea against Southampton.
1: Okay, so we're just about getting into the stage of the season now where these teams have, have played each other once. So um, I was looking at this, it was a it was a thumping four-one victory for Chelsea at Southampton earlier this season. Um and Chelsea have got a very good record against Southampton. Um they've won eight of their last nine games. The only the only game that they haven't won against Southampton was this fixture at Stamford Bridge last year, which was a nil-nil draw. Um so that would point to a Chelsea win. Um, I would just be slightly—I I, kind of feel like Southampton are a bit better team now than they were at the start of the season when Chelsea beat them four-one. Uh, whereas Chelsea are a very erratic, obviously winning this week, but some some surprising losses before that. Um, obviously, William was the star today, um, and he's he's a real bit of two percent owned at the moment and he's one of those players I think would be tearing your hair out as a fantasy manager because he's he's had two big point hauls this season he got 12 points away at Burnley and now 16 away at Spurs and then some of the home games where you'd be looking at him thinking oh William must be good for this he's like three at home to Bournemouth two at home to Villa one at home to West Ham so he's his last three home games he's done very little but um, if you do believe in kind of streaks and form then, then he could be one to look at. Um otherwise you've you've kind of got Mason Mount who's gone off the boil a little bit for Chelsea. Um the defence hasn't done too well, but they're not and then obviously Tammy Abraham who's back as well, and, and Abraham scored uh against Southampton in this fixture, back in game week eight. Um, although he's only scored one goal in the last six game weeks. Um, one of those he didn't play because he was injured. but um, So maybe he's gone off the boil a little bit there. Um, five, four, four out of his last five games, no goals, no assists. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit Jekyll and Hyde with Chelsea. You've got to kind of gamble. Are they on or are they off? Um, as far as Southampton goes, well, I mentioned Ings at the start. And even in that 4-1 defeat, he managed to score against Chelsea. So. I think I'd be tempted to stick with Ings um, as, a, as a player who, even if I don't think Southampton will win this game, he might have a decent chance of doing something. Um, and although their fixtures look a bit hit and miss, I don't think they're terrible. So I wouldn't, I, I think I'm going to stick with Ings at least up until the January and then see what happens. Um, other than Ings, though, I don't see a lot in the Southampton team. Um, to get too excited about and I'd, I'd probably favour Chelsea in this game but it's not probably a 2-1 or a 3-1 not a drubbing
0: Yeah, I think that's probably fair the one thing I'd, I'd add to that is you mentioned Mason Mount had gone off the ball recently um, that seemed to coincide with him being moved into central midfield where, where at the start of the season he was playing in a more advanced wider role um, which he reprised against um, Spurs and I thought he looked really good against Spurs a lot of the time when um either Abraham was knocking balls down or um the, the Chelsea defenders were it was Mount that was on the end of it, making space for himself, getting into dangerous positions. A couple of times he was in a like he he received the ball in a great position and just like either a great piece of defending or a, a slack first touch meant that he didn't quite get the chance that you thought he was going to. But um I I think he, he's not necessarily I think he might be coming back onto the boil again, Mason Mount. So um, I'm not. I'm going to hang on to him and, what, and see what happens in this game and be watching him carefully.
1: Yeah, and he he has played every game this season. Some part, he he came on as a sub in one against Man City. He started every other game, so he's a he's a pretty safe player to get. And he's a he'll he'll chip in with two or three points every week, and then some weeks he'll he'll obviously grab a goal as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. And He's cheap as well from midfielder, isn't he? So.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely for a starting Chelsea midfield. Yeah.
0: Ben, anything to add on Chelsea Southampton?
2: No, just that it, it appears that if you still have Pulisic, uh, might now might be the right time to ship him out. I, my guess is he'll be rotated in and out um, during the heavy fixtures, and uh, he was definitely dropped for Mount today. And I thought Mason Mount, yeah, like you said, Andy looked good in in the wide
0: position. Indeed. All right. Well, next up is. Uh... Palace against West Ham. So I was pretty surprised this week because um, Palace have uh, they've, been, they've been good this season. They're about to go into a, a, a nifty run of fixtures. But then Newcastle with this weird side that kind of um, you, you never know whether they're going to sort of grind out a 1-0 win or whether they're just going to be awful and lose. Um, then, even when they win, they don't look very good, but they just seem to grind out these results. Um, they, they got one of those against Palace. That kind of surprised me. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily that many alarm bells because, like I said, they've got a lot of good fixtures coming in. They have been a, a solid side thus far. So my prediction, West Ham have been awful, and so I think um, Palace will win this. We were spared the indignity of, uh, of watching West Ham get taken apart by Liverpool this week, so um, we didn't have have no sort of immediate evidence to base this on, but I think Pellegrini is probably hanging on to his job by a thread right now. Um so I I think and this is like a a local derby as well in it's a London derby so I think possibly this might be uh, one of those games where the nerves start to set in and uh, a bit of doom and gloom starts to sort of spread around the the the, the fan base at West Ham. So um yeah I think this is going to be a Palace win. They're not the kind of Roy Hodgson doesn't like to take teams apart 9-0 like uh, like Brendan Rodgers does. So I think this is going to be a sort of a 1-0, 2-0 maybe. Um, so those of us with uh, with Martin Kelly or um, Gaeta, it's going to be a, a good fixture for them um, and obviously if uh, a lot of people have uh, Wolf Zaha as well he's, he's a funny one because although he's clearly Crystal Palace's best player and main attacking threat, he's not always the one that gets the goal or the assist because he sort of gets fouled and then they score a free kick or something um, but still, I think um, those players, are, this is a good fixture for those players because West Ham are terrible Anyone to add to that?
2: No, nope, I'll, I'll definitely yeah I, Kelly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's not usually many ga- many goals when Palace play at home, so I think I think Kelly's a good bet. I, I just um, they they do seem to struggle Palace when teams kind of go there for a point though. So it, there's there's a lot of nil nils and one nils when Palace are involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think um, for this next round of fixtures, the players to have are probably Gaeta, Kelly. And uh, whatever other defenders aren't injured, right?
1: Yeah, they've they've got a bit of an injury crisis as well, haven't they? They played Kuyatti at centre back um, on Saturday, so um, see if I think Dan has got like a yellow flag or something, so they might they might have one or two centre backs coming back soon.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, next fixture is Everton against Burnley for Ben.
2: Yep. So. Interesting one again with the new manager. I can't can't quite believe Ancelotti is managing Everton. <laughs> um, he's he's uh seems that maybe uh, he's used to bigger clubs. Uh, no dis- disrespect to Everton, um, but I think it will be. I'm just very interested to see what kind of Everton side we get um, because some of their mid- midfielders are pretty decently priced, like Richarlison and Sigurdsson. So if he can get the best out of them, I think that will be um, interesting for FPL. I think Burnley, just very little attacking threat. So, I mean, I see Everton winning this one and probably keeping a clean sheet. Um, the the fixture, the fixture last year, Everton won 2-0. Although I think they did lose to Burnley 1-0 earlier in the season away. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just generally interested to see Ancelotti's new team um, because even aside from this game, if you look at um, Everton's fixtures, they go on a really nice run um, after this. So if if you can spot um, what they're doing, then uh, it could be interesting. Also, I, I don't know if Ancelotti is kind of a defensive type manager as well, right?
0: Um, I'm not sure he is, you know, because if you think, I just think back yeah, to his Chelsea sure. team, I think they, uh, it was their record that um, City broke, wasn't it, with the goals in a season? Mm, yeah.
1: I, I think he's kind of known as a pragmatist, isn't he? He kind of adapts to whatever the team he's managing needs at the time, which could be good for Everton.
0: I think it's really interesting, actually, because he has traditionally like taken over teams where the spine was kind of good already. Um, and kind of added the finishing touches to make the team a little bit better, rather than like completely reshaping sides. If you look, at, even at Napoli, he took over from Sarri, where that team was the best Napoli team for decades, um, and just carried on being equally good with them. This is definitely a much bigger challenge than taking on Napoli or Chelsea or you know any of the teams I can remember him taking over. Um, So it'll be interesting to see him try something a little bit different with Everton. Not sure how these players sort of, they don't need tweaking. You know, they need a real, like, kick up the arse, a lot of them. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but they they do have a really good run. So they've Burnley, Newcastle. Then they've City away, which is tough. But then they've Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, Watford, Palace. Um so yeah, I'm just interested to see if he if he can figure out um how to get them uh, playing and getting some good results because it would be it would be interesting for FPL if that happens.
0: Yeah, it would there are certainly some sort of some players in that team who have done well in past years, aren't there? The one that interests me actually is Calvert Lewin, because he's their best striker. Um now that Moise team is <laughs> by default. Yeah, exactly. Seems to happen to him a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 but he, he's the number well, nine and their best striker so if the, the team starts playing well he might be a decent asset to look at
1: i i do wonder if having an italian manager come in might might help Moise Keane kind of settle because he's not he's obviously not settled yet um but but yeah a, a couple of other quick i've th- got wait
0: Well, Gary has some interesting things to say, but unfortunately (laughs) we can't hear him. So we're going to have to move on and and ask Gary to return in a second. Um, Maybe it's time to move on to... Oh, we can't move on to the next fixture because it's Gary's fixture. (laughs) So we'll have to to wait for him to return. Um, His point about Moisey Keane is an interesting one because he's been absolutely humiliated by Duncan Ferguson. And Ferguson didn't sort of make noises as though he was going to leave the club. He was like, I'm looking forward to working with Ancelotti. So he's obviously (laughs) under the impression that he's sticking around. So I don't know. It would be quite surprising to me if Moise Keane turned it around from here with a senior figure in the dressing room who he clearly doesn't have a great relationship with. Um, He hasn't really played all season. And even though there's an Italian manager coming in, he chose to leave Italy. So I'm not sure I agree that that's really going to help him.
2: It could be could be the return of uh, Pod favorite Umanias who who got um, played one minute against Man United away. So you know he could be coming back. Yeah,
0: he did. What <laughs> what, what a minute it was too. Umanias, what a hero! Um, I don't know what uh, what Ferguson was playing at, starting Jane Tosson against Arsenal when with Nias just sitting on the bench there. <laughs> um. All right. Well, you know what? I think we're going to have to press on. So why don't we come back to Gary's fixture of, uh, of Sheffield United against Watford once he's back with us. Um, the next one after that is, is me with Man United against Newcastle, which I really don't want to, uh, to talk about, to be honest with you. Um, Newcastle beat Man United with a, uh, a Matty Longstaff screamer <laughs> last time these teams met, um, which obviously was a great moment for the neutral and the Newcastle fan, but a terrible moment <laughs> for all of us Man U fans. I think Newcastle are the exact kind of side that Man U don't want to play against right now. So um, I think this is probably going to be a Newcastle. But there's only one wildcard in here, which is if Paul Pogba returns and decides that he wants to play properly, then um, it'll be a completely different Man U side. When he came on against Watford, uh, you mentioned this earlier, Ben, I thought we looked very different. Um, before that, there's a, there's a clear gap in this Man U side where we can't string three passes together, which is why counterattacking works so well, because you can counterattack with less than three passes. Um, but then when Pogba comes on, every third pass either goes to him or by him. And so two thirds of our passes involve Paul Pogba. <laughs> and it's like the whole thing works a lot better. So if he's back and playing properly and trying, then um, everything, you know, complete change of, of prediction. And I think Man you will win this game. But assuming he's either not playing or not trying, I think this is another 1 0 or 2 1 or 2 0 Newcastle victory. And, and uh, you know, everyone transferring Miguel Almiron.
2: I mean, sure, I surely Pogba has to start this game. Uh, you know, even even without any match fitness today, he looks so much better than everyone else. I think Socia has to gamble and play and start him um, probably in front of Fred and McTominay. And because um, you know, Manu need to win this game. They got to bounce back. So um, I, I would. I'm actually going to go out there and predict a Manu win for this
0: one. If Pogba plays a try and like assuming he actually tries and like either he's putting himself in the shop window or you know something weird happens and he actually cares, then yes, I think Manu will win this game too. Um, but I think more likely is that he comes, he's either either he's not match fit yet and can't start and he comes on for the last 20 minutes again and you know we just hear a repeat of today's performance or um he starts. And then just gets annoyed by the fact that he's playing with Fred and McTominay and Andreas Pereira who can't pass straight and doesn't doesn't do anything. Yep. Um do we have Gary back yet or? Uh I believe so. Can you hear me? We can hear you, yes. So do you want to okay. um bring us in with your You favorite... want my hot
1: you want my hot take on Sheffield United Watford?
0: Your favourite team, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. Well. Um. Thanks. Thanks for giving me this one. But I. Um. No. I don't. So. I. I don't know what to say about Sheffield United. Like everything you think you know, like these players weren't standout players in League One. Some of them, but they <laughs> they keep on defying expectations again and again and again. And there is it eighteen away games um, without losing at the moment. It's incredible. Um but they're at home this week. So maybe that might be a slightly different thing. Um, this game against Watford, I guess it, it might hinge a little bit on what people think of XG as like a, a rating. Cause in, in the, in the real world, this is fifth versus 20th. Although in the, the XG world, Sheffield United should be ninth according to XG and Watford should be 14. Um So that would have it as more of a mid table clash. Um, and I, Perhaps I'd be interested a little bit in Watford. Obviously, they got a very good result against Man U just now. And um, like Sheffield United, perhaps I think they're set up as like a counter-attacking team. Um, They have had a couple of results at Bramall Lane. like They lost at home to Southampton. They lost at home to Newcastle. Um, So maybe this is just the optimist in me, but I can see maybe a smash and grab um Watford win here um so if you are interested in Watford well you 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 got Troy Deeney who's just come back into the team scored against Man U 6.2 million so a potential bargain striker um and then you've got a few of the other players um I don't know, it's hard to say with the defence. Foster, actually, he's got quite a lot of points this season. He's had a couple of... yeah. Manu is his third double-digit haul, so Ben Foster for 4.8 is is perhaps another one at Watford. Um, But yeah, I think I might be giving this a slightly biased view, so it's also worth looking at Sheffield United. Um, So their defence is very strong. Um, they've they've only conceded 16 goals this season, so only Liverpool and have Le- a better defence than them. Um, and yeah, I think I think quite a few people have maybe have Henderson. Uh, he actually um, got an assist, didn't he, uh, against Brighton? Um, so he got a massive 12 point haul there. So again, he's um, he's another one to watch along with the Lundstroms and Baldock and Stevens. So they've yeah they. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, I'm hoping I can steal a march and other fancy managers here because everyone will be playing Lundstrom and maybe even a second Sheffield United. But I have a sneaky feeling Watford are going to score a goal or two here. It's going to be a smashing grab for Watford.
0: Yeah, I mean we know that Nigel Pearson likes to raise his team's game for the big big matches against the uh, the the better sides, right? So maybe he'll sort of play this up as a. Uh of uh, David and Goliath fixture of Watford against <laughs> Sheffield United. Um, oh, yeah.
1: When, Wednesday legend Nigel Pearson, of course. He'll be, uh, he'll be up for this one.
0: Yeah, that's true, actually. I hadn't thought about uh, his, his previous connections. Um, one th- I think you're right about Watford. Um, and they've got a, a not unkind run of fixtures coming, although it doesn't look green based on the way these fixtures are, are rated. You've got Sheffield United, Aston Villa, Wolves, Bournemouth... Tottenham, Aston Villa again, Everton, uh, Bournemouth. And then the, so next run of fixtures for them. Now, although a lot, a lot of those are sort of quote, unquote" grey fixtures, and Tottenham's a red one. I don't know whether that's as bad as it looks, you know, because Wolves tend to play better against the big boys than they do against the uh, the smaller sides. So this that, again, this might be sort of a a, a good opportunity for Watford. You've got Villa who have got their entire like core of their team hollowed out. Um, Tottenham, who God knows what they're going to be like. Filler again. Like I think this is a good run of fixtures for for Watford, and might be a moment to bring in players like Dale Lefeu, Ben Foster. I think is a decent shout. I mean, Ben, what do you think of that?
2: Yeah, I I think there have definitely been signs. Even when they lost to Liverpool, Watford were were looking actually gave them a really tough game, and then um, Salah scored right at the end to make it two. So for most of the game, it was it was pretty tight, one nil. Um, And then, obviously, against United, um, they pulled off a great result. So, um, I think I would wait and see how they do in this fixture. Then, yeah, maybe. Um, Unthinkable as it may be, looking at Watford, Watford plays may not be the worst option.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to be watching Jay Lefeu closely in that next game. Um, Anyway, that's probably enough about that fixture. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ben, Leicester against Liverpool.
2: So I think the wheels are coming off Leicester a little bit in terms of they drew with Norwich at home. I thought City, I watched the game and City really just kind of played them off the park. Um, even though Jamie Vardy is still very much a threat, so I don't think he'll be leaving too many teams anytime soon. Um, but I, I see Liverpool winning this. I think, and also Leicester haven't typically done. Um, that well against some of the big boys and um so even though I think it'll be a tight game and you know maybe um your Vardy's or Madison's may get you some points. Um I, I don't expect Leicester to keep a clean sheet here. Um and I was I would expect one of the city uh the Liverpool star players, whether it's Salah, Mane, Firmino, to basically kind of win them the game here. Um, so I'll i predict a narrow Liverpool win. Um but I think Leicester um, are, are, are not being found out, but um, they're, they're hitting a bit of a rough patch in terms of results and fixtures now, I think.
0: Here's a really interesting one. If ever there's going to be a game where Jamie Vardy isn't going to score, you would think it would be this one, right? Yes,
2: but unless it was An- Anfield away. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> is, this,
0: is this the game where you bench Vardy?
2: I think it's impossible to bench Vardy. Um, you don't want You don't want a nine million, ten million pound play on your bench. But um, I think, I think, always play Vardy. I think is the the key. But um, I, I don't. I just don't see Leicester beating Liverpool. I'm,
1: look, I'm looking at his record. His last twelve weeks, he's brought back scores of at least five. The only one game that stood out where he got two was uh, away at Liverpool. The last game, he didn't score or get an assist in.
2: Interesting. If it... But yeah, Andy,
1: if you want to drop Vardy,
0: I guess. I've like... already
1: dropped him. I dropped him at the start of the season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Imagine how much of a genius he'd look like if everybody else was playing Vardy. <laughs> you benched him for the week that he got to, put him back in and he carried on scoring. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that. Yeah, uh, there is one more fixture, which is uh, for Gary. Only one. Oh, it's a Thursday, Friday week, isn't it? That's right. So there's only one fixture on Friday: Wolves against Man City. Gary.
1: Um, yeah, so I'm, I was basically kind of on match of the day. You had Alan Shearer kind of saying the title race is already over. So I kind of wanted to start by saying, I I, I disagree. I, th- I think people are writing off very quickly this incredible Man City team. I mean, FIFA was it ninety. 100 points and then 98 points. I mean, they they are so good, this City team. That I do think that they could potentially win the next 20 games in the season. and In that case, they would be champions again. I, I think Liverpool will drop a few points, not necessarily that many. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd basically, so my advice is write off City at your peril. And just because Guardiola has kind of run out of steam at, a couple of other clubs after three years, it doesn't mean it's set in stone and it has to happen every time. Um, the the other thing I'd just point out for that is that City, even if in their struggles and losing four games so far this season, uh, they've scored fifty goals, um, which is eight more than Liverpool, nine more than Leicester. Um, so that that's basically the that's my reasoning why in my team I'm I'm sticking with Raheem Sterling um, as well as Kevin De Bruyne. Um, just because I I think it's a bit freakish that Sterling hasn't scored more goals. He seems to be very involved and he's got a lot of goals um, in the Champions League. So I do do think um, there's still a lot of goals in this Man City team. Um, This match itself will be a bit of a test to my prediction, I think, because Wolves are obviously a team that do well against the big boys and they drew at home to City last year. Um, but I I think City are too good and I think Wolves, particularly this kind of slightly fatigued Wolves squad that's been fighting on two fronts in Europe and domestically. I I just think City will... They'll they'll have players like Mares who can come in, who are fresh, who are rested. And De Bruyne, obviously, is still quality and he's been been incredible. They've got Aguero back fit again now as well. Um, So... So yeah, I, I can see Man City actually turning on the style in this one. Maybe a, a three-one or a four-one.
0: That's interesting because it, it's a it's a bogey fixture for them as well, isn't it? Wolves they've not done well against them in the past. Um, Nuno seems to be one manager who's uh, figured out a way of making things difficult for Guardiola. But I think um, the the form of De Bruyne you mentioned might be might be the difference maker here. One thing I think is interesting, um, you mentioned about the title race. I think the title race will be decided over the Christmas period where Liverpool coming back from the um from like international travel face Leicester Wolves, Sheffield United, Tottenham and then Man United all in a row. I think if they emerge unscathed from that run, then title's over. Um but if I mean, they could potentially lose all of those games, you know, in which case then titles are definitely back on. So it really depends on what happens in the next five weeks. It's going to be very interesting for the league. And that could in turn um, define how much um, Guardiola puts into the league and, as opposed to resting his best players in the league and protecting them for the Champions League.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's not helpful for Liverpool that you have all these pundits going out and saying, oh, the title's already sewn up. And I think even one or two bookmakers have paid out on Liverpool. But um, it was such an incredible effort from Liverpool to get 97 points last year. And I think a lot of people agree that their team doesn't quite look as good this year. So I do I do, I do think that City um, are still well in this title race. Um, and I don't know, it can Liverpool keep churning out these kind of two ones that they've been getting uh, with late goals or will it catch up with them eventually? Um, so, yeah, this, the Christmas period will be the test, I think.
0: All right, good. Well, that brings uh, us to the end of the, the, the fixture uh, roundup, which means we're on to our next section of the, uh, of the pod, which is looking at the league. So um, I think this is one for you, Ben, to have a look at how our, uh, how our listeners league is doing.
2: Yep, so at the top of the league, um, some usual suspects. So uh, Rui de Oliveira is still uh, top of our league and still has a pretty sizable um, gap. He He's called 49 points this week. Uh, Kevin Miles uh, has done a pretty good job. He's he's now back to second, kind of where he, back where he belongs. Um, so he had a good week, 44 points. And then uh, Bev CL third and John Hart to be fourth. And then Morton Blabjerg, I think, is fifth. Um, looking at top and bottom score. Oh, go ahead. Can, yeah. can
1: you uh, say, while, while you're mentioning John John sixty 67 points this week and ingenious genius captain of Danny Ings. So um, credit to him. I think he's probably the only one in the league who will have gone for that.
2: Yeah, um, very impressive. Uh, and in terms of the top scorer, so... John Hartaby was, was second in the league in a top game week score. But actually the top with 72 points was Aman uh, Gulati with uh, 72 points. So um, looking at his team, he had Danny Ings. Um, he captained Jamie Vardy against City. Um, and then he's going to get um, Todd Cantwell off the bench for 10 points. Oof. So really, really great score by him. Um,
1: it's nice to see Cantwell coming off the bench isn't it, it's it's good having him as first sub to come in with 10 points like that wouldn't wouldn't you agree
2: yeah I mean uh, it's really great unless he's first on your bench and then doesn't quite make it on like uh, upon a mat frustrating for him (laughs) (laughs) Um, bottom so I thought I was actually bottom for a hot minute with uh, my terrible score 28 points um, with uh, the Hong Myun Sin uh, sending off. But I have found someone with a worse score, thankfully. Um, and Kush Marotra, I think is, he's having a really good season, but had a nightmare like me this week with 29 points with a hit. So 25 points. Um, Captain Delhi Alley, I think, was in hindsight a sensible decision because Delhi has a, an amazing record against uh, Chelsea. But apart from that, no one in his team really did too much. Um, you had the Rashford blank, you had the Son sending off, um, Aurier, Soyonshu, Matt Ryan not doing anything. So, yeah, rough week
0: for Kush. And that's about it. So, Gary, after um, the evisceration you received from, <laughs> from Ben last time, you had a disappointing score. How do you feel about this week?
1: Yeah, and I think I think he got about the same as I did that week. Uh, twenty and so uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, th- I think I think he's kind of clutching at straws there. Uh, Kush Hotra did at least get <laughs> to get there, but uh, I, I think Ben's twenty eight deserves a special mention. I mean, yeah, so, so, son, son, Delhi Ali. Yeah, Sayunchu. Sticking with Sayunchu when you had your boy Greenwood could have got you a point. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's all gone wrong.
2: And the Gazaniga yeah. bicycle kick, getting a nice zero points as well, was yeah
0: was
1: particularly I, annoying. It's tragic, really is.
0: Yeah, I think my favorite what, what thing. What was is that? I I woke up. I sort of looked at this. And thought, oh my god. Like, song's been sent off. I'm definitely going to be bottom this week. And then I looked at Ben. I was like, oh, somebody's worse than me. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what, what, what's your game week rank this week, Ben? I don't, on, the, on the game, it's saying 4.9 million, but um, I don't know if Live FPL has you any lower than that.
2: Um, let me look. How do I see my live? I don't know. I think we should move on.
1: Do <laughs> <laughs> <See> you now? <laughs> oh no, no. Let's let's figure it out. Let me. Uh, well, you just keep talking for a minute, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll update the listeners in there uh, in ten seconds.
0: Great. Well, look, I think um, so. it's week like week, weeks like this that can really sort the week from the chaff, isn't it? Because if you look at um, uh, it was John Hartupi got a really good score this week and 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 gained a, a a march on some other good players in the league. Um, if you can sort of come through these difficult weeks with decent scores then it can really like make a difference come the end of the season when cuz in the in the big weeks where everyone's scoring sometimes you don't gain that much but when I mean, some people do really well and some people do really badly those are the weeks that really make a difference aren't
1: they yeah yeah i think i think um it's it's all about the differentials it's kind of keeping the having some of the usual suspects but then also having something a bit different because if you go if you go with the same players that everyone else goes with um, then nothing's ever going to change, is it? So, uh, yeah, you've got to you've got to throw something in there a little bit.
0: Indeed. So, Gary, do we have an answer yet on uh, on Matt's over? No,
1: it doesn't. The live FPL doesn't show it, so I'm just going to have to go with what it says on the fancy website, which is four four million nine hundred eighty eight thousand two
0: hundred eighty nine. Well. Good job, Ben. Let's see if somebody else can can beat that for with a higher number <laughs> later in the season. Um, for now, though, we do have to go through our own team, and um, much like everybody else, our own team did have a great week this week. Um, so, luckily, we uh, we didn't suffer from the Hyung min Sơn uh, injury, um, Ray Card, rather, but we do have um, Deli Ali and Serge Aurier both getting one point. Our total score is thirty four this week. Um, in addition, Rico got a yellow card, which means he's now uh, suspended. Um, our only scorer this, scorers this week, rather, were Lundström and Vardy, I think. I know De Bruyne got us a, a four-point haul as well. It's a pretty, pretty bad week for us. Um, we did, obviously, have to bench Mane this week, so we were that's a lot of money just sitting there doing nothing. So he comes back for us next week. Um, and likewise, I, I imagine that well, I don't know. I actually probably don't want to play Seyun do we? Um, we still have Abraham, which is good. We still have Vardy. We have Rashford. Um, I think they all look like players we'd want to hang on to for another week. I think that the sort of place for surgery, again, looks like the defence, where we have Rico, who won't play next week. Siyunchu um, playing Liverpool and Williams, who isn't in the team anymore. And we have 0.5 million. What do we have in the bank? Let me check the transfers. Um, we have 0.5 million in the bank to upgrade with. So my suggestion would be that we might want to um, look at replacing one of Rico, C and, and Williams with somebody a little bit more expensive. Um, Gaeta looks like a solid set and forget keeper for the next few weeks. So I think we're fine there. Any comment? Any, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah. I, so, I, so. Go ahead, Yaron.
1: Okay. Well, I was just going to say my thought is – whether it's still worth having triple Leicester at this point in the season. So uh, or I know you've mentioned um, Tielemans as well in the past. It's being a little bit at risk. Um, so yeah, I'd, I just wonder if um, it's obviously worth keeping Vardy um, and Soyunchu is just really cheap. And I, I think Leicester's defense should get better after the Liverpool game. So I'd, Yeah, just to throw another one in it, maybe Telemans, it might be time to to ship him out.
2: Yeah, for me it's either Williams, because Rico, we can just bench him and then Bournemouth actually go on a pretty good run. I think it's either Williams or Telemans. Um, the The only problem with trying to ship out Telemans this week is you basically have to play Seancho against Liverpool.
0: Yeah, that's that's my thing. Is that you? That you like next week? You don't want to play any of Rico, Cunhu, and, and Williams. We can't only play two defenders, so um, that's why I think that's the, probably the more urgent transfer than um, getting out of the uh, the Leicester triple threat. Um, we could look at Telem as the following week, but I think right now the uh, the urgent transfer is to lose a defender.
2: Although it does mean you you basically have to play Tielemans against
0: Liverpool as well. So. Yeah, do you know what, though? He, it might be a 2-1 where Tielemans gets a goal or an assist. Like That could happen. Um, or you could bench him. That's the thing as well. Is you, can, you can bench Tielemans, but you can't bench three defenders.
2: Yeah, that, that's true. Um, so if we were to go Williams, we could afford a 4.5 defender any ideas i mean the obvious one is martin kelly but then you're
0: doubling up on palace well that might not be the end of the world they have a pretty um yeah attractive run of fixtures um fernandez at newcastle has been doing well recently hasn't he although well, he's got a pretty unfortunate run of fixtures so maybe not him yeah up.
2: um other than that nothing else too exciting unless you believe Unless we believe in the Watford revival that is about to happen.
0: Yeah. Do we believe? He... I, mean, be like, I, I don't know. I don't know about defenders. Attackers maybe. But
1: I mean, I mean, I don't They They have tightened up a bit at the back lately, haven't they? So I don't know. Um, I could see in the absence of many of the good options because um, some of the other some of the other defenders I was looking at who are cheap, who are in the right price bracket like Sice at Wolves and um, Sheffield United have got a couple of really horrible fixtures. Wolves have got Man-, Man City. Fernandez has got some really tricky fixtures. Even like Montoya at Brighton has got Tottenham um, away. So I could see them in more chance of Watford keeping a clean sheet than any of those teams. Um Dan Burn. Yeah, I, 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 it, Dan Burns. well they, Dan Burn's the same as I, it's just the fixtures I think it's a bit unfortunate cuz they're away at Tottenham and Brighton so um Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it it might take quite some explaining to Duncan and Matt when we explain that we've we've brought in Cathcart for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, I I guess like if we did bring in Cathcart at least he's playing. So um Willie Williams, Matt Matt sold me a bit of a dummy with Williams, the next the next best um, the next new hot hot young product to come off the academy line. Right? He's played three games and he's disappeared again.
0: Well, Chris Basham is also available at four point five, and although there's an ugly run of fixtures after that, the urgency for this transfer is this week, right? And then um, we can bench him again for City and Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. The thing you've got if you bring in a United player. I mean, okay, they've been amazing away from home. They'll they'll have to be because they've got Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. The next three out of their next five games all away. Yeah. Then they go. Then they got Man City at home.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I vote. I vote.
1: Finally, this might be Lundstrom not getting points. This could be brilliant.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't double up with Sheffield United given their, their yeah picture run. All right, so Martin Kelly or Watford. Def- I would actually go Kiko Fameneo. It's cheaper.
0: <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not sold on Watford defenders. I think they're, so, a, they're a gritty side that could, you know, score a few goals. But I, I'm not willing to back clean sheets. Are very difficult to get. I'm not willing to to bank on that right now. I think Kelly's a better bet.
2: Okay, I'm good with that. I'm also fine with Martin Kelly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I brought him in myself last week. I was trying to, um, I really wanted to make a more interesting transfer than Martin Kelly because everyone has him, but um, I couldn't find one.
0: Okay. All right, done. That's the one. Do we want to do it now or do we want to wait until later in the week?
1: I say do it now cuz otherwise we hope yep. we keep forgetting don't we if yeah, we don't we'll do it forget. now. All right, I'm doing it right now. It'll be Christmas Christmas day it depends how exciting your Christmas day is going to be
0: <laughs> Well, given that I'm uh, I'm in a different country from all of my family, um it's going to be just me and Oscar at home so I probably would find time for it, but I'm not going to um I'm not going to take the risk. So William's out, Kelly in, no points, confirmed transfers. Done. So then we've got to pick what team we're going to play. Obviously, we're not going to, put, we're going to bench um, Rico and, C and Chu. Um So uh, by default, what we have is uh, Adama Traore also on the bench, which means that our front um, seven is Mane, Tielemans, Ali, De Bruyne, Vardy, Abraham and Rashford. My, my change would be, I think, probably Traore is more likely to score against City than Tielemans is against Liverpool.
1: Agree. Yeah, let's Yeah, I, d- I, d- I didn't mention this in the preview, but he, he obviously scored two away at City. And uh, I think triori is actually a player that he'll do a bit better against the teams, the better teams where he has a bit more space to run into. Because I think some of the lesser teams have just been really cynical and have been taking him down left, right and centre. Um, I'm sure Man City will try, but um, yeah, he might. He might enjoy the space on the counter attack.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that you're afraid of a cynical foul, but um, I do. I yeah. think you're probably so they still right.
1: They couldn't get him last time, so he might, he managed to get away. So <laughs> um, he's too quick even to foul.
0: Um, okay, good. So, Troy already in. We'll look at um, captain and vice captain as well. Um, I think possibly Abraham might be a captaincy potential, um, or De Bruyne.
2: Yeah, Tammy is my current bus captain of my, my um, own team. So I think, I think that's not a bad shout.
1: I mean, Southampton have the joint worst defence in the league, 37 goals against. So I think that makes sense.
0: All right, so uh, Abraham, captain, De Bruyne, vice. Yep. Done. We have a team. All right, which means it's time to move on to gut punts. Gary... How did we do this week? Last week.
1: Um so it was a bit of a abbreviated pod last week. So we didn't we didn't do the usual gut punts. Um but we had our usual our weekly our monthly picks. Um so uh Duncan did pretty well with uh, Egan, who's been kind of getting racking up the clean sheets from from Sheffield United. Um so he's got he got the clean sheet last week and this week. Uh so he's up to second um and Matt actually got a a, a turn he his, his monthly gut punt pick was uh, was was genius it was todd cantwell uh who got 10 points for him so matt matt's got some good news he may not have picked todd cantwell in his, his actual team unless he on the bench. <laughs> uh, but his um his gut punt is he's racking up the points and he's now um he's now catching up with you a little bit ben he's um He's kind of on um, seventy yeah, he's seventy-four points. He's he's only fourteen points away from you. Um so he's not quite as far behind in our league table. But yeah. Um anyway, for for next week, so we still have our December gut punts carrying on, rolling on. Um, but we are we're all trying to pick out who's gonna do well on the Boxing Day fixtures. Um so Ben, do you want to go first? Who who you're going with this week?
2: So my gut punt is Sigurdsson uh, at two point six percent ownership. My bet is he will be Ancelotti's new main man on free kicks, penalties, and uh, Everton will be Burnley. So that's my pick.
1: Yeah, good good logic there, and I've I've gone for kind of a similar. Similar logic with Richarlison in my actual team, because um, I think Richarlison will, will do well um, as well um, under Ancelotti. Um, looking at the other picks, so Matt is following the, the results from this week. He's gone for Willian, so um, he's banking that Willian can back up his two goals against Spurs. And Willian is, again, only 2% ownership, 7 million. Duncan is going with the Sheffield United double defence. Uh, he's got John Egan as his um, December pick, and he's also going for Ender Stevens this week. Um, so he disagrees with my prediction that, that Watford are going to go to Bramall Lane and, and score some goals. Um, and Andy, you're going Norwich this week. I am. Yeah, uh, Norwich have
0: the the pleasure of welcoming, no welcoming, of uh, visiting. Um, Aston Villa this week so I think that um, this is a not only is this uh, a really great fixture for them but it's the last great fixture they have before a, a tough old run so um, yeah I think this is a, I, my 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 strategy was basically to look through the Norwich team and find the most likely attacking player to do something that didn't that had like below the 5% threshold obviously that means you can't have Puki or Camwell so um Emmanuel Buendia is my pick um, for, for my gut punt. He, he looked pretty decent this week, I thought. He um, sort of got forward a few times and was repeatedly fouled near the area. So um, that gave me hope for him too. So, yeah, um, I, w- I, thought, yeah it- I thought about Tetti because um, he, he had a great shot this week that was sort of palmed onto the post. Um, mm. So I thought maybe Tetty, but I'm going to go with Buendia.
1: He's a he's a really good dribbler, isn't he, Wendy? I've I've noticed him a bit in the highlights, and then last week he had this moment where he skipped past about three players. So I think he he's, he's at the moment he's in that kind of that Knockhart continuum of this player who is too good for the Championship, but he's not quite shown he's good enough in the Premier League. But maybe he'll maybe he will do it. He did get two um, bonus points this week the, as
0: well. So um, the, uh, the the yeah. eye test was indeed reflected in the in the bonus system.
1: OK, well, we'll keep an eye out for him. Um, just to round it off. Um, so I mentioned I kind of gave a bit of a defence of Man City earlier. Um, so I, I don't usually go for an expensive player with these gut punts. But I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to book the trend this time and go for Riyad Mahrez, who, who Andy picked a couple of weeks back. Um, I, I, I thought that this um, kind of four-two-three-one, um, which um which City... City kind of had switched to, but less of a four-three-three with him, with Mares hugging the touchline. It seemed to really suit him, kind of cutting in. Um, so, yeah, Wolves need to watch out for him, I think. He's a very dangerous player. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're the gut punts and we'll update you next week on how they're going. Yeah, to be clear as well, um, actually, I, I, wonder... I got
0: Mares too, because um, I've picked him a couple of times already. Um, I think the what the weak the weakest player in Wolves' team is Johnny Otto and Mares running at him does look a bit like a car crash so I think that's a solid pick Gary
1: and then just while I have your attention I I don't know if I, I didn't quite get this in under FPL moment but one other thing I wanted to just briefly touch on um was you, you know how in real in in real football there's this real debate amongst all the pundits now between the kind of the real football man, your kind of Andy Gray, prototype, sort of Graham Sooness, sort of old old football player, and this kind of new breed of of stats geeks with the um kind of X G and what what's going on. So i I've been loving the fact that FPL has now kind of been thrown into this same continuum. So we've we've mentioned Magnus Carlson a few times on this pod. But I, I, there was a couple of reports online about um, an ex Liverpool player, a guy called Nick Tanner, was the guy who took him off, uh, knocked him off the number one spot. Uh, he played 40 times for Liverpool in like the late 80s, early 90s, and it, there was a few quotes of him, and it was very much like, "Oh yeah, I don't really go on the stats very much. I just, I just watch the watch a lot of the games, go with the players who I think are good." Um, so you've got this proper football man kind of really kind of just going with going with his gut, going on the eye tests against this chess master <laughs> and encased in his 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 mind whirring at a hundred miles an hour, thinking ten moves ahead. Um and it's it's a real battle for the ages, I think.
0: Joel, have you has anybody actually heard Magnus Carlsen talking about football? No. No I haven't. Because nor have I, but you don't know, right? He, he might be a proper like football man. You know, he doesn't I didn't pick him because, you know, Arsenal don't like it up him. (laughs) That might be how he picks his team. You don't know.
2: Yeah, I think I read somewhere he he watches a lot. He watches a lot of uh, football because um, I was also reading that you probably noticed that players from Norway tend to be like very highly ranked. And one of the reasons is that Apparently in Norway, you can watch Premier League games all the time on TV because of the licensing rights. They are, there aren't as strict as elsewhere. So you just have all these Norwegians watching hours and hours of Premier League football because they can.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, that's uh, I, I, it's not like me to make excuses, but that's why I'm doing so badly this year. Ever since I came back from China, in, in China, the package I had, I had every single game on demand. I could just watch watch any game I wanted at any time, but now, now I'm really struggling so uh yeah not anymore it's um Arsenal less censored <laughs> now in China aren't they because of Mr Ozil oh yeah yeah it'd be interesting to see yeah <laughs> that's um yeah it'd be interesting <laughs> to see if that pay-per-view package if it would have just been like uh just blanked out or something or they'd just be uh yeah, a big picture of Xi Jinping giving him a thumbs up or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it would be, but...
2: It'd, it'd be uh, brilliant yeah. if they, they showed the games and whenever Ozil received the ball, they just cut away. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just like had a
1: sort of black silhouette where Ozil should be <laughs> following around the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> You, with all the ai and the graphics and things you could almost see a world in 10 years time these deep deep fake videos that they'd just be like yeah that's not ozil that's willock yeah. cgi in willock <laughs> oh that's actually he's your i just put his face ozil.
0: <laughs> all right well thank you that was a, a good little addition on the end there gary if anyone can find some kind of footage of, uh, of Magnus Carlsen talking about football, I'd love to see it just to, to find out which side of the continuum he falls on. So, for the week, so I'm going to bid everyone adieu. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. My pleasure. And thank you, Ben.
2: Bye. Have a good Christmas.
0: Thank you. And don't forget to look out for us on Twitter at, at FPLFFFanatics. Ben, I'm sure, will be tweeting shortly. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.